Hello, welcome to the Evolution of Faith podcast. My name is Zach. Hi, I'm David. And we are excited. We're talking Advent. We're talking hope today. Um, it's it's that season. Tis the season, right? Um, and we just thought we would spend some time talking about the history of Advent, what Advent is for, what the heck that word even means, um, and how this all leads us up into hope. We feel like this is a good time of the year, if any, to speak about Advent. And it's been our hearts and on our minds as we're prepping for Christmas and, and what Christ does in our hearts. Um, this podcast, you can find us on all major podcasts, Spotify, Apple, uh, Overcast, I guess. Um, uh, and you can follow us on Instagram at the Evolution of Faith podcast. Um, but today we're going to we're going to talk about Advent and we're going to start just a little bit ex- talking about our own experiences with Advent, even before we push play on this episode. Uh, David and I were talking about our own traditions and what we grew up with Advent. Um, and I was shocked to find out that he didn't really grow up with Advent and he'll, he'll speak on that in a little bit. But um, for me, you know, I grew up in Baptist church, so not, not your normal church to really lean into liturgy or the church calendar, but Advent we did, you know, we would do the, the lighting of the Christmas candles and um each week, you know, on that Sunday leading up to Christmas, there would be a reading from the scripture leading up to Christmas and then a lighting of the candle and a prayer um, as it prepped us for us. I had, as you know, a 12-year-old growing up, no knowledge of the great church history there or um, or all the anticipation that's built into Advent. But there's something beautiful that's pointing us towards hope. And that's what we, we really want to talk about today. Um, as we were prepping for this. I was thinking of just for me, one story, David, um, when it comes to Advent that always hits home for me when it comes to the season, because to be honest, for the past few years, Advent for me is not so much this hopeful time preparing for Christmas. It's more of like, this is finals week in my master's program. And I just have to get through all my assignments and finish these. And then once it hits, you know, the week before Christmas, okay, now I can enjoy Christmas. Um, you know, I, I tend to like in this season when I'm, I'm cramming for finals, I'm writing papers like crazy. Um, I tend to put off anything Christmas related. So I like, I have a hard time watching Christmas movies, hard time listening to Christmas music. Wife wants to put up Christmas decorations. I, it's like, I feel like I cannot celebrate it until I'm done with school (laughs) and then oh, it's Christmas season. Um, but for me, there was uh, there was this one Advent um, back when I was in college, back in gosh, 2014, I think it was, where I had gone through this like year long season of intense depression. Um, like, was ready to drop out of school. Um, thought about s- just switching my whole career and focus. Um, I, like, I had never faced such like crippling depression before my life. I couldn't figure out where it was coming from. At that point in life, I thought if I'm feeling like this, something bad must have happened in my life, but there was no, like no one died. I didn't, you know, no tragic breakup or anything. I was just, I was severely depressed. I had a hard time sleeping. I had a hard time being motivated. I mean, all the symptoms um, and just didn't know like, where this was coming from or why I was feeling this way. Um, 
was questioning my relationship with God. This was new for me to be in, in the pit, to be in despair. And I remember um, that fall semester in college ending, deeply depressed, going home, which I love my family, but I always hated going home because to me, my small town was like a, a symbol of like being trapped and stuck. Um, Christmas break for Biola was like six weeks long, which is insane. It's a long Christmas break. And I'm just dreading being stuck and bored inside my small town. And I remember going to my hometown church, my small little Baptist church as a kid, going there with my family. And it's the Christmas Eve service as they're preparing to light the final candle for Advent. And we're doing the candlelight service and we're singing Oh Holy Night. And I am, I'll be honest, uh, this is not a brag. This is just who I am. I don't normally cry at music or in worship services. And that was the very first time I, I was just in tears listening to a song I've heard a billion times, Holy, Holy Night. And it just, there was like this tiny little spark of hope in my soul. Uh, I'm not here to say, and my depression was cured because of Advent. But I, I, to this day, look at that moment as like a turning point for me. And what became like a two month long process of coming out of depression um, but I always think of that moment in my little hometown church, holding my candle, singing a song I've heard a million times and just feeling like, oh, there's, there's hope. Like there's, there's, there's something next. I'm not going to always be stuck here. Like there's something, whether it's, maybe it won't be in two months, maybe it'll be two years forever. But one day, like there's hope. And, um, so I, I know most people's like experience with Advent might not be that dramatic or that like life-changing, but for me, there was a moment where Advent has been ex extremely helpful, and I'm really thankful for that experience. Um, David, you were <laughs> jumping in with you. You uh, talked a little bit about like Advent, you know, nowhere in your life, but maybe tell us a little bit about your experience with Advent uh, and where you are today with it. Yeah, I was raised in a little fundamentalist Christian church. And so Christian fundamentalism in kind of the style I was raised really only encompasses about 2% of American Christianity. And it's it's kind of the more extreme types. Uh, and then within that, you have the more extreme types like, you know, Westboro Baptist Church. And, and so that's, that's kind of the, the world in which I was raised. And so because of that, there's a push against anything that feels Catholic, like Roman Catholic, mm -hmm. um, and anything that feels what they would say ritualistically religious. Mm -hmm. And so some of those liturgical practices just were never talked about, never practiced in my church. So I actually, the first time I heard the word Advent was actually in eighth grade when I was over at my friend Camden's house. He had a little Advent calendar and he offered me his chocolate. So I was like, Eighth grade was the first time I ever heard this. I was raised in church. Um, and then when I started kind of honestly uh, processing a little bit more with the timing was when I first heard Future of Forestry. And it was one of their Advent albums, which is that's an indie band from traditionally California. Mm -hmm. And uh, and their music, their music's awesome. But and uh I was a worship leader at a church and we were looking for music that was different than just 
some of the rah-rah Jesus stuff that a lot of the other churches were doing. I don't say that cynically. It's just we were looking to do something a little different. And so we pretty much play the majority of one of their Advent albums for mm. for Christmas Eve. And I pushed our service from a, uh, an hour to an hour and a half just to experience some things mm. differently. And, you know, uh, it was just a little different experience. So it was the first time I started interacting with it. Um, then when I was working with Zach and Chandler, I started looking into liturgy and studying liturgy and understanding church history a little differently, which led me into an Anglican context. If you're not sure what Anglicanism is, it's basically the Church of England's uh, Reformation movement. Uh, but they, they held on to a lot of the elements that were still embodied within the Roman Catholic practices. And so when I went to that church, the first time I was ever at a church to actually observe the Advent season, uh, to be honest with you, was uh, 2018. Mm. And what I learned uh, was that you talk about holding off until to Christmas stuff until your finals and stuff are done is in a lot of the same ways traditionally. Now, a lot of our churches, we don't do this because people like Christmas songs and they're like, we only get a couple weeks of it. We're going to sing it. <laughs> There are certain things in Advent that uh, church will and will and won't do based on, and, and what the whole deal is to push towards expectation, push with patience, awaiting for Christmas. And so we don't do Christmas music. And we don't say or sing hallelujah or hallelujah. All that stuff's cut out of the liturgy on purpose um, so that you kind of, embody and feel that like, no, but I want Christmas to come. Now, real quick, before I, we move into some of the practical stuff, uh, for the church calendar, the liturgical church calendar, which is the way that historically the church has observed the calendar, for the church, Advent is the beginning of the year. Where for the Gregorian calendar and how we live in the Western world, it it's, you know, January 1st, right? Um, we, but there's something cool and uniquely countercultural where the church is this weird place where we are cultural and the fact that we like embody a voice to the world to understand the good news of Jesus. We also live counterculturally in that sometimes the way the world runs uh, is not healthy for us and we need to sometimes as followers of Jesus back off. And so while the rest of our world is deep plunged into consumerism and all that comes with that, we as followers of Jesus, when we observe Advent, it's a call to say, you know, what? I'm not going to fall into that. And I'm not going to just buy into the Christmas stuff for the sake of the Christmas stuff. I'm going to hold off on that so that I can understand what patience is in a world that literally the minute Halloween's done, it's Christmas everything, right? So that's kind of some of the intentionality of how the church has practiced Advent um, for years. Yeah, yeah, that's really cool. I I was telling you, um, yeah, our, our, we 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 don't really like to wait, right? We we want to jump into celebrating Christmas now. Um, whether it's the big debate on when do we put up Christmas celebration, uh, put up our stuff? Is it before Thanksgiving? After? Um, but we we do love to just jump to things immediately. But there is something beautiful about holding on to hope for something, right? I I was sharing with you. Um, there's 
Uh, there's this article that I, I found. I was I was teaching on a sermon. Oh man, this was it was either in the midst of the pandemic in like 2020 or a little bit 2021. I don't remember. Um, but I was teaching on like eschatology and new creation and um, the things that we as followers of Jesus, what are we looking forward to, right? Revelation 21 and 22. And to kind of start up that sermon, I, I mentioned this, uh, this article that's from, uh, it's from the HuffPost and it's titled the psychological benefits of having things to look forward to. Mm-hmm. And it was written in 2020. So it's like right in the midst of the pandemic. And it was talking a little bit about, you know, as, as in that season, when a lot of us lost things to be anticipatory towards, like whether it was a trip, a vacation, a wedding, a whatever, like a lot of these things we had before us got canceled and got, you know, taken away. And now we're starting feeling like we feel, you know, sad and depressed because we've lost this. And essentially this article talks about that while there is something really good about being in the present, right? Like there's something really good about being content with where you're at, um, like existing in the present. Uh, we might even say that right now for Christmas. It's like, no, just like enjoy the Christmas season, just delight in it. Um, that there is actually something good about having stuff to look forward to, to, to look, um, have like a future mindset at times. Um, this one of the psychologists said that um, like having future plans is that you're basically imagining a new potential future, one with good times and challenges that have been overcome instead of a bleak, powerless tomorrow. Mm-hmm. I think to me, that's like what Advent is about. It's um, before we start jumping into like being in the present and enjoying it's we're actually looking forward. We're looking and, and thinking of how things should be and how they could be. Um, because what Advent is 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 doing is it's putting us in the position of the people in the story of, of Jesus's birth who are anticipating what he's going to do. Like the, the Israelites who have been waiting thousands of years, they've just waited almost 400 years of essentially silence anticipating Jesus's arrival um, in hopes that something would happen, a, a future would arrive, that all these things the prophets have you know, prepared them for and told them about here, it's, it's arriving in this little manger. Right. Um, and so for, for us, it's, it's, it's a, it's a future looking thing that gives us hope now. And that's like a necessary practice for us. Um, Ruben, you did a, you just did a sermon on Advent and a little bit about hope. Do you want to speak maybe into like, what's so central about having hope? How does hope function in our life as a believer, um, and and how Advent can like point us in that direction. Yeah, uh, I think one of the beautiful things about the gospel, the good news of Jesus, is that we believe that He is doing something now, but it's not fully come to fruition, and so we have to step into hold on, holding on to that. And what we realize is, is yes, there's visions of that, like Revelation 21 and 22. There's visions of that, but we don't fully know how and when it's all going to come about. And so in my sermon, what I talked about was I, I talked about hope. I, t- I, I talked about it from kind of an uh, emotional perspective, philosophically. And uh, psychologically, I talked about like what is the tangible thing when we have hope, 
what is happening in us. And uh, so philosophically, uh, it's our, you could say that our hope is, it is based on our inner concerns in whatever situation we're in. And so whatever our concern is, is going to, in us, we're going to feel that situation from either a place of hope or despair. Now, I believe you could also feel it as neutrality if you don't really have a concern at all. But if you do have a concern, a specific situation is going to trigger despair or hope. And that's different for different people. I know that, uh, to be honest with you, uh, a couple years ago, one of the things that was being voted on um, me and my family, we had a specific concern that other people's didn't. And we saw that the way in which we considered something that was being voted on based on our inner concern was different than the other person's. Hmm. Uh, you have the housing market. That's one of the examples I gave in my sermon in the last year, year and a half. The housing market's the situation in, but if your inner concern is you want to sell your house, it's been hopeful. If your inner concern is that you want to buy a house, it's been kind of a lack of hope. It's been despair. Uh, but what I, what I talked about is that, that hope is more than just an emotion, and it's something tangibly that we can grab a hold of. And so when we say that we have hope, there's a psychologist by the name of Charles Snyder that said hope is agency and pathway. Agency just means you believe you can make it through this situation, and pathway just means you see a way through it. So if you're in a time of trial or a time of like the Israelites that were just waiting under the oppression of their empires that they were oppressed by, they were holding on to hope that they can make it through based on the promises of God and that they, based on those promises and visions, they see a way through it. So they held on to that. The problem is, is if we get into generating those things for ourselves, it's like, no, I'm going to generate a way through this, we're always living in a roller coaster where what Christian hope tells us is that we can hold on to agency and pathway. We can hold on to the belief that we can make it through our situation and know that we there is a way through it because God will make a way and is making a way through it. We know that we can have hope no matter what our inner concerns are. And we can have hope no matter what situation we're in because of the good news that God is working towards something in the future. Uh, Glenn Packiam, one of my buddies, who's also a fantastic thinker and writer, he talks about how hope is primarily eschatological, which means it talks about when we hold on to hope, we're talking about future things. We're holding on to a better future. And so you could say that theologically, you could also say that practically. I have hope because I believe I can make it through and I see a way through it, which means there's a better future in mind. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's really good. I, I as you were speaking, I was thinking of Mary's song that she sings. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, it's it's loaded with so much good theology and hope and just this beautiful connection between the old and new testament i could nerd out about that for a long time but um but there's so much like of that hope packed into it where um as she's been like as the news about her being the mother of the messiah is delivered to her she sings this song and within it is all these like hopeful descriptions of what god is going to do but it's it's such an interesting worded song because it's it's both like 
he has done this, he will do it. Um, it's like a weird mixture of like past, present, future, all crammed into one song of what she's what she's hopeful for, um, both in the the arrival of her son and what he's gonna do. And to me, I think that's one of the interesting things here with um with the hope as a Christian, right? Is we declare these songs of of great victory. We we um we talk about how Christ has changed the world. I mean, it, our New Testament is filled with these ideas of what Jesus has done. And then we look around and we're like, yeah, but like that doesn't, that's not the reality I see right now. It does not look like some of the things that Mary has even sung about, right? She like she says, he has filled the hungry with good things, the rich have been sent away empty, he scattered the proud, he's brought down rulers, he's lifted up the humble. And you're like, oh man, I I don't see the humble being lifted up. I don't I don't see the the you know the hungry being fed. Um so there's something about Advent. Maybe my next question for you, David, is where do you see that intersection here of past, present, future within hope? Like, is it just we just sit here and we're like, man, it'll be great one day? Uh, or is there some sense, and I'm leading you here with this question, but is there some sense of the future like impacting us even now? Yeah, I I well, it's a both and and I think one of the things that Romans is clear about uh, is that we have the deposit of the Holy Spirit. So it's God himself. This is all in the New Testament after Jesus came. God himself is in us at work, living in us. But he is the deposit of our future hope, our future, as Romans says, glory. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I made, the, I made the case on Sunday that the first step towards this work is prayer. And we could dig more into that if, if you want to. But the why... Uh, but I also believe that that is why places like Micah 6, 8 exist. That's why James 1, 27, Matthew 25, that all talk about uh, God's heart is for us to do justice and righteousness, right? And, and to live in that way. And it's because when we do that, we are living into the future vision. And so when we pray, we pray linked up with the God of creation who has been faithful, is faithful, and will be faithful when we pray in doing justice work and and working uh, the heart of God towards a better future. So I'll give an example. Uh, We've talked about this one before, Isaiah 2, you know, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord. He'll judge between the nations. You know, he'll beat the, the swords into plowshares and uh you know weapons into pruning hooks and you will study war no more is what it says and and we're like well we that's a future vision and so we could choose now to do work as carriers of the holy spirit here and now with that in mind and i i think that that's one of the beautiful things about Paul tells us, as he writes to the church in Corinth, that we are the agents of this reconciliation. We are the ambassadors of this. Therefore, he has entrusted us as we carry the Holy Spirit for the here and now. That He's still working in us. He's working through us. He's working in the world. He's working through the world. But we can step into that future vision now. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's amazing how many times we, it's whatever topic we're talking on, it feels like we always come back to this, not in a repetitive way, but in a, this tends to be the emphasis of the New Testament is, is future should be hopeful, right? It, it shouldn't be bland. It shouldn't be um, necessarily just progressive in the terms of like, hey, things will just get better, right? As time goes on, ma- magically, things will get better. Um, but that it's it's hopeful. And it doesn't just cause us to sit back and wait for Jesus to come here. Uh, but it says, hey, this is the future. Uh, let's let's have a little taste of it now. Let's let's we have because of the Holy Spirit, the ability to plant those pieces of the future even here now for people to experience what we're hoping for. Um, I think as we um, uh, enter in our time here, maybe give us some uh, and I can I can give some too, but maybe some some practical practices. <laughs> I guess that's kind of redundant. Uh, of how to how to lean into Advent season of if I wanted to like use this Advent season as I'm preparing for for Christmas, what are ways that I could do so that might tune my heart towards being more hopeful and also living as a reconciler, as Paul tells us. Right now, people are experiencing and rehashing and being re-triggered by loss and grief and pain. There are loved ones that they have memories of the Christmas season with that are no longer with them. And it is, it's very common right now for people to be re-kicked into their grief cycle, uh, to fall into depression, whatever that looks like. And how it plays out oftentimes that I see is when we're out and about shopping for Christmas, it's crowded and people are just grumpy and mean. And I think one of the one of the most practical things you can do right now is realize that under the surface of some of that grumpiness and some of that impatience that people feel at the store is a fact that they need to experience hope. And you might be the one to offer that spark of hope to them. And so a practical way is to interact with them as if you really truly are the carriers of the Holy Spirit and the future hope and the agency that he's implanted in you and to, to show love, the love of Jesus to people in the season where it's really hard because I know we're impatient too, but people are out there hurting and they might not be talking about it. And you don't know what's under their actions when you are out and about. So, yeah. yeah that's really good. Yeah. Christmas is one of those unique holidays for us where we do share similar, as Christians, we share similar language with non-believers around this time of of the year like i mean easter is is like we're thinking about completely two different things and and the language of what a christian's thinking about what happens on easter is, is very different um but for christmas there's something unique about like as a believer my my non-believers around me are also seeing this season as something that's meant to be hopeful and lighthearted and joyful and filled with charity and generosity. And so to me, it's like, man, we, we got to lean into that and use that same language to then point to Jesus, which again, your, your non-believer friends probably knows what Christmas is about. Like they, they probably know it's about Jesus. Um, but if we could even use that language of hope to really cut to the heart beyond just the like nativity scene, um, but to the real heart of the Christmas message here of of hope and what Christ has done for us. Um, there's so many good things packed into Advent. 
David, any other last thoughts here on Advent and hope? No, I, I just say again, um, embody the love of Jesus. If and uh, and other than that, you know, I thank you so much for joining us today. And and uh, catch us, give us a like, give us a share, and uh, we're just thankful that uh, those of you who are following us, you are tell your friends, and uh, we'll be back for another episode as soon as possible. Great, thank you guys for listening. We'll see you next right. time. Thank you.